0: Good morning, City Church. My name is Pastor Ryan. If I haven't ever had a chance to meet you, I regret that I'm meeting you on screen right now. But I do look forward to and long for the day when we can see one another physically. um, As I just think of that and the fact that we are separated this morning uh, once again, and potentially um, maybe for a little while longer, um, just how much I long to see you. And so, one of the things that you can do that would just bless me tremendously, if you're watching live right now, at some point, uh, snap a photo of your family or yourself and. Uh, post that on the comment section so that I can go back after, and when I get a chance to watch this, I can see your faces and say hello to you. Um, I would love an opportunity to do that. As we kicked off this morning, our kids minister, Miss Jessica, led our kids in uh, time of worship with some song, a song that they're used to singing in our kids' church, which is what we normally would have for them on a regular Sunday morning, um, but we also uh, provided, um, she and the kids' team created a worship guide for you uh, to use this morning, kids. And so uh, if you were able to print that out, we, I want to just encourage you to grab that sheet right now. It looks just like this and uh, grab that. And if you're a, a kid or a little, you can use this to follow along uh, with me as we begin our teaching in just a moment. Um, if you didn't get a chance to print this out, one, just make a note, parents, be sure this will be made available uh, for next week on our website, that site that we posted earlier, citychurchmelissa.com slash COVID-19. Um, but also kids, if you don't have this with you, don't worry. Just grab a notepad, and my encouragement to you is to either draw a picture or to take one or two things uh, that you just learned and, and, and share them at this. But um, I'm going to invite Miss Jessica to come back on screen right now, and she is going to kind of teach you or just show you a little bit about what we have for you this morning through our uh, kids' worship guide. Thanks, Miss Jessica.
1: Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. I know this feels kind of weird, right, because we're used to being in kids' church, where used to being in our classes and seeing our teachers. So it feels a little funny, but this is for you too. It's not just for your parents. We sang our song earlier. You know that. I really, really hope that you did the motions with me. And you know, we're going to have more fun stuff available this week online. Uh, we'll have story time with Miss Jessica. Miss Laura is going to do a music time online this week. And then on Thursday, I'm going to come on and I'm going to challenge you with some fun games and a and a fun boredom buster because I know we're going to get a little bored at home, right? But I want you to get your bulletin. And you know what? We have one that is for our K through fifth graders, and then we have one that's for our little. And like Pastor Ryan said, we want you to fill this out to be a part of the sermon today. But if you forgot it, don't worry about it. Grab a piece of paper, construction paper, a notepad, any of those things, get it out. And I want you to listen and I want you to look and you can draw what you see. You can write down things that stand out. But today, Pastor Ryan's gonna go over Psalm 42 and he's got some main points on there. And I want you to listen really carefully for those main points. We're having a lot of feelings right now, right? We kind of worry, we're a little bit nervous about what's happening, but you know what? God has already gone before us and he already knew we were gonna have those feelings. So Pastor Ryan's gonna talk about that today, how it's okay to have those feelings, but also that we need to put our hope and trust in God. So I am so excited to be with you. I hope you have a great time today and I look forward to seeing you more online this week. Bye guys.
0: Thank you, Miss Jessica. Well, as we begin our time together in God's Word. Um, I do want to encourage you to open Psalm 42 um, that Heath read for us, and um, that is where we're going to be spending our time this morning. I also just want to make a note if you're a regular uh, with us at City Church, um, you'll know that we have been in a study in the book of Ephesians. And uh, since last week, we uh, sort of took a break from that. We started, uh, we taught from Psalm 16, and this morning uh, here in Psalm 42. Uh, we are going to return to Ephesians at some point, but uh, it just seems fitting. Um, that we should spend time um, in this psalm and um, in the psalms in general. They are uh, such an encouragement to me personally uh, because they're so real. Um, the psalmists, those who wrote them, many of them, as we saw last week, one that was written by David, but so many uh, written are, are uh, poetry, but they're also uh, just images of um, the frustrations and the challenges that we experience in life. Um, and these uh, people that we're reading, they, they were dealing with very real things, just like we're dealing with um, in this season uh, of life. And so it's important, and it's right, that we can turn to this book and we can see how God is at work and how God has already already gone before us and in a sense given us instruction and encouragement and a way to find joy and peace in the midst of this season. I also want just to make a quick note because I know that we're coming to you live online right now. It's possible that you are experiencing some technical breakup, or um, uh, every few words it sounds like I'm speaking to you in Morse code. Um, that's probably not because of your internet provider. It might be, I know uh, some of the troubles we have here in our community, but it might just be uh, the fact that Facebook and other online services are literally being overwhelmed. So here's my encouragement to us all. Rather than being frustrated by uh, potentially the experience, this is an opportunity for us to rejoice. Because right now, the reason that we're experiencing potential lag times or any of those other challenges is because the gospel is being proclaimed around the world. And churches uh, who, like us, don't usually do this are broadcasting on these services. And so, uh, rather than allowing this to be a source of frustration, and even though I do know, I know the experience of feeling like things are paused and on hold, and you're wondering, what did he just say? Did I miss a word or missing a tune to that song? Just take that opportunity to just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have have given us the opportunity, and that your word is being proclaimed all over the world. And if that means that I have to experience just a little bit of a frustration on my end, knowing that other people are hearing from you, then that's reason to rejoice. So I just want to encourage you with that word, um, even as we deal with some of the technical difficulties of trying to come to you online. You know, Psalm 42, as Brother Heath read for us, as I said, Um, it's a question. The psalmist is asking, where are you, God? And perhaps this morning you are asking that question, or this week you've asked that question, or perhaps you've been asked that question by friends of yours Where is God? How strange is it that God would allow something like a virus that would strike us and prevent us from gathering together, doing something that He commands us to do, to gather together in worship, and yet He's allowed this thing to come into our lives that prevents us from doing the very thing that he's told us to do. Where is God when so many lives could be lost, both from this illness, but also all the time from many other things? Where is God when we are losing our jobs, when we're dealing with the hardship of the economic hit that this virus has caused? Where is God when your championship season gets cut short, I know for some of us that might seem trivial, but for some, that's something they've been looking forward to. Where is God in all of this? Sometimes we don't like to ask that question, especially for those of us who have been made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can be tempted to think that 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 question's off limits. We can't question, we can't ask God where he is. That's why I love this psalm. It's a psalm of lament. It's a psalm that this, the, the psalmist is just wrenching his heart. And he's being honest with himself, and he's being honest with everyone that would listen. This is really hard. And so, as Miss Jessica said, this life, this day, these days can be scary. And I would go so far as to say, it's just really, it's not good. This situation kind of stinks. I don't like it. I know that you probably don't like it. I know this week I felt feelings of despair almost every day. I've thought to myself, sure, this is a movie. How could this be real? How how is it possible that we could get to this situation? Well, the good news is, as people of God, we can be honest about that. We We can be honest about our frustration, honest in our despair, but we don't have to stay there. We don't have to just sit in that. We can turn to God. And I invite anyone who has had those feelings this week, I don't care what you have thought about God before, I don't care what uh, ideas you might have had, perhaps you're watching and you have completely thought to yourself, and everything to this point you've said, I reject that there is a God. I want you to know that we can turn to God. And in His Word that He has given us as His gift, we find Him. We find Him in His Word, where He's always been, sitting on His throne. And I love the Psalms because they deal so much with this real human condition, our hearts. Yes, there's rich theology and truth, but in the the poetry that we have read, we see that the people of God throughout history are just like us. We're trying to understand God. We're trying to follow Him, I hope. Trying to be obedient to the commands that He's given us. And we're dealing with, we're doing all this while we're dealing with the brokenness of the world. And dealing with our own sinfulness. So if we look at Psalm 42. This psalm describes a person who's unable to worship God in the temple. We don't know all of the backstory. We don't know the exact situation. Some believe that this psalm was written by David, although it's not attributed specifically to David. They think that it might have been written to David when he was in exile and when he was away, and he was unable to enter into the temple and worship God. The psalmist feels lost. He even feels deserted by God. Here's the truth. God never intended or said that life, this life, would be all about our happiness. We talked about that briefly last week. We spent months working our way through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're looking for some content to listen to, I'd encourage you to go to our website and go back to our study in the book of Ecclesiastes where we were reminded that this life is not all about happiness. In fact, this life is often very much just Pain and suffering. And we look for happiness. We look for temporary joy in so many different places. But that's not what God intended this life to bring. Here, this Psalm 42 is a Psalm of sadness. The author deeply hurt and broken by the circumstances that he's dealing with. But in his sadness, through the Spirit of God, I believe, speaking to his soul deeply, he's reminded where he can find hope. And so, let's look more closely. This psalm is broken up essentially into two sections. We have four verses of lament or sadness where the psalmist is just expressing his heart and his frustration, and then there's a reminder of the truth. And then after that, there's five more verses of lament, and then another reminder of the truth in the 11th verse. As he begins, the psalmist is describing how he longs to be back in the presence of God as the deer pants for flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The psalmist is using this imagery of water, and here he he is essentially saying, I thirst for God. I'm desperate for God. It reminded me as I read this in 2017, some of you know, follow me uh, uh, closely, have been a part of our faith family for a while, that um, I do a, a bicycle ride, the Hotter in Hell 100. I do that almost every year. I've done that every year except for one for the past 15 or so years. And during the 2017 HHH, one of the things that happened was it was uh, the, the, the race lived up to its name. It was hot, very hot. And so at mile 90, The closest thing that I could say to this as a deer pants for the flowing stream, I was desperate for some water. I needed water. Every muscle in my body was cramping. I wanted water, or I wanted to die. Those were the two things that I had in my mind. Lord, just take me off the planet now, or please give me some water. I don't know if you've ever been that thirsty. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that situation. But this is how the psalmist described his desire, his hope, his ability to worship God. He was so desperate to be able to worship God. And one of the things that I pray on, and we're going to get to some of the good things, but just as I think about this, are we desperate to worship God? I know you've joined me here online, and that's great. I'm so thankful for that. But as we go throughout this season and we deal with all of that, I don't know what's coming for us. Thankfully, the Lord does. But whatever is in front of us, I pray that it builds up our desperation, our desire to worship God together where he instructed us to do so. He's desperate for God. But he, obviously, his desperation has been preceded by the fact that he feels as if God is absent. He's asking himself, where is God? He says in verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night when they say to me all the day long, where is your God? I can't even really imagine what it would feel like for the tears of anguish and exhaustion and fear and hurt and desperation. That's all he's had. His tear. He's not eating any other food. He's not, he's not finding sustenance from anywhere except from the tears that are overflowing because of how sad and how broken he is. These tears are so real to him. That's why he describes them as food. This isn't just sort of flippant little, we're not getting misty eyed here. This is tears that are overflowing. And I know some of you, dear brothers and sisters, have experienced those tears, not necessarily just in this week, perhaps some, but in times in our past. I think to myself, and I've shared this story before, but after my mother passed away, I went to her home, and I went all by myself, and I sat in a chair that I usually would sit in, that I'd usually fall asleep and take a nap in on Easter Sunday after Sunday service. She would have a meal, and she'd have to wake me up to come eat lunch. But I sat in that chair, and I wailed. I cried out to God like I've never cried before or since. Real tears of brokenness, of hurt. And here the psalmist says the tears mocked him. Through the tears, he's hearing in his mind, where is your God in all of this? Where is he? Shouldn't he be showing up right now? And those are the things that we've thought, those are the questions that we've had, those are the doubts that have been creeping into our minds. These tears remind him of the day when he used to lead the throng into worship, lead the church. The psalmist may have been, Pastor Matt, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I'd go into throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The worship experience in this church that he remembered was a a worship experience of shouting to joy, singing to God, praises, loud singing. And he longs for that, and he's missing as he is crying out, and he's hearing these lies and these kind of whispers in his ear. He's thinking back to that day when he used to be able to enter into the presence of God together with his faith family. Yeah, this psalmist is broken. His heart is broken. This is not some minor frustration. These are real tears. In verse five, he remembers God. But before I get there, I want to skip down to verse seven, where he has, or excuse me, verse six, where the second lament begins. He has this brief moment in verse 5 where he remembers, and we're going to come back to that. But in the second half of the psalm, he once again uses imagery of water. And this time, though, this imagery of water, it's the water crashing all around him. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you, God, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mitzar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He's remembering, as verse 5 sort of brings him into this, remembering the hope that he has in God, he sort of feels this embrace as if water crashing around him. Some of us have been to the beach, maybe over spring break, you had an opportunity before all of this to go to the beach, and you spent some time in the ocean. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been knocked down by a wave? Being knocked down as the water crashes over you, and he remembers the headwaters of the River Jordan and the water, waterfalls from Mount Mitzar. In the water, how it would crash down. And this is what he thinks of as he thinks of God's love surrounding him, crashing over him. He has this little glimmer of hope. And he says, this is what it would feel like to experience the steadfast love of God is having this water crash over him. By day, verse 8 says, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He remembers this time, and he remembers God's love, and it's as if the water is overflowing over him. But right now, it seems that God has forgotten. That crashing of God's love over his life seems to be a distant memory, seems to be far off. And that's why he says in verse 9, I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Why? As with, deadly, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, that same question he's been asking over and over again has been hearing whispered in his ear, where is your God? He remembers for a moment the crushing love of God that washes over him, that gives him hope, and it sort of buoys his spirit. But in the very same moment, it's as if he says his bones are crushed as the whispers of the enemy tell him, where is God? And the desperation, he reminds himself, he remembers how far off he is. He remembers how distant that memory seems to be. Where is God? These are real thoughts, friends. And perhaps this week, or at some other point in your life, you have felt these same thoughts. And you've wondered what it is, what's going on. As we face the challenge of this day and are isolated from one another, essentially therefore broken off from the living body of Christ, as we face job losses, as we see our country Now, even closer to home, our state, our county, and even our city, filled with illness and sickness, this psalm teaches us about the grief that comes with this world. And I'd expect, even as we've experienced it this week, that for many of us, grief is not something that's brand new. Perhaps this virus has just brought on a fresh reminder of the grief that so often accompanies this world. That's okay. It's okay, and it's right, it's real. We don't have to hide from that. We don't have to be shy about that. When we've been able to gather together, one of the things that we've said since the beginning of this church's start in March 30th of 2014, one of the first things that was spoken in this gym was, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be real with where you are. And right now, we grieve the circumstances of our lives. We don't have to feel bad for being upset. You don't have to feel wrong for feeling angry or wondering, where is God? See, here's the good news about that feeling. Godly mourning, godly regret, feeling as if something is missing and is broken, all of that feeling is better than carnal rejoicing. So much of this world we have no, so often we have no feeling of loss. We don't ever feel any sort of distance from God. That's so, so often. That's not a, an experience that many have. It's good that we feel broken over our situation. The people of God, we feel a greater loss as we feel like we're missing the fellowship with God because of what we're not able to do to gather together. Godly mourning is better than worldly or earthly rejoicing. So even in the midst of that sadness, even in the midst of that brokenness, I want to encourage you, rejoice in the fact that you know something is wrong, that you know that there's an experience that you can look back. To the experience of God's love overflowing and crushing you like a wave. The fact that you have that memory, even if it's somewhere far in the distance, is something to rejoice over. Something to be, find happiness in. Because there is, in your heart and in your mind, a knowledge that God is real and God is with you. See, the enemy hopes... That he can drive us to forget those distant memories. That he can cause us, as the mockers in this psalm say, to ask and really begin to believe, Where is God? That God has forgotten you. If he can't get us to just completely reject God, which he's been unable to do, perhaps he can convince us that God has forgotten us. He can cause us to lose all hope. That's what he's after. But we can remember those days. Where is God when your tears, perhaps your friends, are mocking you, asking you that question? We will know the answer to that. We can have hope because as the psalmist says, we remember. Back in verses 5 and 11 that I didn't read for us, he repeats himself twice. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. I will one day again praise him together with my faith family. I will one day again praise him for all eternity. I know the future. Yes, I know that this experience that we're dealing with today is very real. Yes, as you think backwards to a time in your life where the grief might even have been greater than what you're experiencing today, that was very real, but you can have confidence and you can know that there is a day when you will one day again praise Him. One of my favorite scenes from the movies is when Will Hunting is being mocked by the Harvard students. they sitting around having a good time, and he's clearly from a lower economic class, perceived by those that he's ignorant, he's less than, he's distant, he's been forgotten, he's worthless, he is nothing. But just a few scenes later, Will Hunting, as he's walking outside, he sees that group that had been mocking him, that group that had been scorning him, that group that had been looking down upon him, and he goes up to a window. And he asked him, do you like apples? He's been after a girl's phone number. And he slaps on the window, I got her number. How you like them apples? In a Boston accent. I got her number. He won. He knows the end. There's a coming day friends, when he is going to wipe away every tear and make all things new. We know the future. We know the hope that we have. The scoffers and the mockers, the lies of the enemy that are whispering in our ear, they won't land on us because we know the people of God that we will be in the presence of God forever. This is why, again, he reminds himself of this in verses 5 and 11. And I love this reality. Consider this. There's two verses, verses 5 and verses 11, that are reminding him of the hope that he has in God, reminding him of the truth. And so that means that there are nine other verses of lament, of brokenness. So the words of the lament, they are many. The words of the truth from God are fewer but it only takes a few words of truth to put down the lies of the enemy. A few words of truth put out all of the flames that we have heard, that we have begun to believe. And from those few words of truth, from those few words that bring us hope, from those few words of life, I want to remind us of three things that we can see. First, hope in God, it says. The psalmist is asking himself this question. This, is, is it, again, his soul is sort of at work within, at, at, in, in uh, turmoil within him, it says. And he begins to think, why are you cast down, soul? Why do you feel so deserted? Why do you feel so broken? And he tells himself, hope in God. He has not forgotten us. We will One day again, praise Him. Together, we have a promise from Christ. If you're a Christian, which means that you've put your hope not in your own ability to maintain some religious exercises that are going to allow God to consider you righteous, but your hope is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross alone if that's you, we have a promise from Christ that He said He will never leave or forsake us. Right now, we saying He is the Alpha and the Omega. Right now, He has not left His throne. He has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. Hope in God. We love this verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans. And He declares that, plans for welfare and not for evil. He is good. He is going to give us a future and a hope. Jesus himself says this, Revelation 21, 5 and 6, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, to this psalmist who is longing for God, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You won't do anything to earn that drink of water that you so long for. It will be given to you. It has been given to you by Jesus Christ. Hope in God. He then says, I shall praise him again. My salvation I just described for you, If you, I said, if you're a Christian, if you're watching right now and you claim to be a Christian, remember this truth, friends. We have a salvation that cannot be taken away from us. That salvation was a gift from Christ. It's not grounded in anything that we have done. So even as we lament, as we are heartbroken, as we deal with all of the pain of this, the this season that we're in, we have a salvation That is secure. The mockers will be silenced. In the same way that Goodwill Hunting silenced his mockers because he got the girl's phone number, the mockers were silenced that first Easter Sunday morning when Jesus took up his life again and he walked out of the grave, conquering sin and death for all time. Yes, we grieve. Yes, we are heartbroken. Yes, these are real emotions. And we long for a time when God would give us just his mercy and his grace pour out to us so we could gather together again, so we could go to work again, so we could go to school again. But we do not have to lose hope because the life that we have, the life that is secure, is the life that was secured when God himself said, you are mine. And we can have hope in that and we can stand firm on that. And we can remember that we have a salvation that comes from other. From outside of ourselves, that salvation cannot be taken from us. He says, Hope in God, I shall praise Him again, my salvation. And He closes, and my God. The psalmist knows who His God is, and as a result, He knows whose child He is. Brothers and sisters, if he is our God, then we are his children. We have been adopted as his children. And as parents, do we not want the best for our children? Will we not You would remind them of the hope that they have? The hope they have in you. Father God, would you restore us? Would you help us to remember who you are? Would you lift our weary heads? And I do pray, God, that we would be encouraged as we remember you this morning. God, I pray for anyone that does not know the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Holy Spirit, you are not bound by anything. No government can tell you where you are confined to. No virus can prevent you from moving in our hearts. And so Holy Spirit, would you speak to our souls? Would you remind us of truth? And would you let today be the day of salvation for anyone who is far off from you, as they remember, as they learn, as they know that they know that they know that all their sins were paid for when you, Lord Jesus, went to the cross and three days later took up your life again, conquering sin and death and illness for all time. Help us to have hope, Lord Jesus. Give us the hope of our salvation today and in the days ahead. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 2950 Cardinal Drive, and we'd love to meet you this coming week. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.